Welcome everybody to Alexei GV Music Podcast. You can watch the video version on our Instagram page. Episode number three, Roberto Michelle Quilico. Welcome to the podcast, yeah. uh, Roberto. I'm happy to have you with me today. And today is the first episode of this special podcast series, Money in the Music Industry Today, Tips and Experience by the Real People. For those of you who just started watching, uh, make sure you follow the page. A lot of good stuff is coming. So let's start with your story and then we will get straight to the business, okay? Yeah, well, I think maybe my story or my background might help people to put that into context for, you know, just whatever we talk about. Right. Um, so let's, let's see, let's start with the, with the big stuff or I'll go sort of chronologically. So I've been singing for many decades. I've been singing professionally since I was 17 and, and that was to pay my rent. And, um, about five years later, I finally signed a record contract with Sony music uh, under the Columbia label, and I put out an album with them. Was good luck, right? Or was it good work? <laughs> it was lots of work, um, maybe a little bit of luck, uh, but I had a lot of challenges, you know, that lay ahead of me in that experience. So there was definitely a lot of work, but um, a really great experience, especially looking at the industry now where a lot of artists will never have the opportunity to be with a label, even if they have a lot of success on their own, which is unfortunate because, you know, the way that music is monetized now, it doesn't allow for record labels to make a lot of investment or riskier investments in artists. So I was one of the last artists who got, you know, through the door. Uh, in able, being able to get a, get a deal and, um, you know, after, basically when my record was coming out, it was a lot of downloading was starting to happen with Napster and the industry was just starting to crumble. I mean, the, the record label that I was with, you know, they didn't, they didn't sign a new artist for like ages. They, it, I was one of the last new artists that were signed to that label and there were no new artists signed. So you know, just, again, couldn't afford to take those risks and make those investments. And my my label lost their building that they were in. So a lot of artists, including me, lost our record deals. And we just weren't able to continue to make music under the label. So that was too bad. But um, it has led me to where I am. So that's kind of cool. And to other opportunities. So I've, I've worked with a lot of really major songwriters. Lucky to do that. I was... I accidentally wound up on a Celine Dion song. So anybody watching this who's heard A New Day Has Come by Celine will have heard my voice because I sing the title track on, so I sing the A New Day, that's all me and not Celine. Um, and actually it was requested to, to be put on her album because I sang the demo of that song for the songwriter. So the demo is, you know, a recording that's used to pitch or to, you know, to give an example to the artist that they're asking to record the song or giving that song to. So when Celine heard the song, it was about her, her firstborn son and it made her very emotional. And as I understand it, she requested for my voice to stay on the track because it had the right sort of sound and feel. And uh, so that was very cool. There were two album versions of that track. 
money-wise, it ended up being a lot better for me to be on the track as a, as a featured artist than as a uh, background singer or a musician, let's say. So I've done that. I also was on a song called Sucks to Be You, which was a little bit before the Celine thing. Um, but the funny thing about it, I don't even know, know if you know that song, but it was a huge hit in Canada and in other parts of the world. And it was actually the song that coined that phrase, Sucks to Be You. So, um, yeah, basically, I was in the Sony building running on a treadmill at their gym. I was just doing a quick workout. And uh, I had these guys come in and go, hey, can you come in and just sing this thing for us? So I was like, okay, jumped off the treadmill. I'm all sweaty. And then I had to just go in and go, like, sucks to be you. And I had to do that a bunch of times. And it ended up being a huge hit. So I was on that song. I've also written songs that have been recorded by major artists. Sorry, so and uh, the artist on sucks to be you, which is the artist? Sorry, the artist is Prozac. Prozac. So it's spelled like P-R-O-Z-A-A-K. They spell it like a different way, and I screw it up all the time. But that was the artist. So, yeah, so I was on this song. So it was kind of, I kind of became known in my circle as like the sucks to be you girl. <laughs> and uh, that was around the time that my, late, that my album was out. So it was kind of weird because I was trying not to be the sucks to be you girl and also be my own artist when... In hindsight, I probably should have just leaned into that and just been the sucks to be you girl and use that momentum for my own career. But again, that was a marketing decision that was out of my hands. It was a big song. Everybody in Canada knows that song. And um, and it was it was big in, in other parts of the world, too. So that was kind of cool. Um, so I'm also bilingual. So I speak French and I sing in French. I've had the chance to write and compose music uh, to lyrics that were written by really great lyricists and uh, an artist named Mireille Mathieu uh, recorded um, Mathieu a song. Mireille Mathieu from France? Did yes. Did you work with yes. her? So she recorded a song that I wrote called Toute une vie. She's amazing. She's, people don't know this about her, but I think she's one of the biggest selling female artists of all time in any language. And I mean, she sang with Frank Sinatra. She's definitely the biggest female selling Francophone artist of all but time. How, how did, but uh, how did you reach her? Through the label? Or how that happened? It was through the lyricist who had that I was working with, who had become sort of friends with her, because this lyricist was um, her partner was Roger Tabra, who was a very big, popular French writer, and so she met Mireille Mathieu. They became friends and or friendly, and then that was how we were able to get our song to her, which is amazing. I, I think it's a, a, a beautiful song. You could look it up, Tutinidi. Uh, um, and then also a French artist who's Canadian, who's very popular, uh, named Maddie May, recorded a song that I wrote and put it on her first album. Um, and that was a big record. I've experienced extensive experience as, a, as an artist, as a writer. Um, and after my artist career, I shouldn't really say after because I still feel like I, I am an artist, but my biggest focus now is on my vocal clients for artist development, vocal development, in-studio recording, songwriting coaching. And those are the main things that I focus on with my roster. And you also worked for uh, MTV, right? For MTV. Yeah, so, well, with MTV, what I did is um, I was hired as the vocal coach for Zendaya, Zendaya Coleman. So, um, yeah, you would know her. She's a huge star. She's a big, big, big star. I mean, you would know if you just look her up, you're like, oh, that's who Zendaya is. You, you will know who she is. I've relocated into another area. <laughs> In the music industry today, many people mm -hmm. are asking 
of course. Where is the money now in the music industry in 2020 with all the stuff that is going on? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, bef when all of the downloading was happening in the, you know, like 99, 2000s and, you know, in that little era of time, it seemed like the monetization was shifting to publishing. And so a lot of artists were looking to have their music put into commercials, into movies, um, because those types of mediums were paying a lot more for royalties. So in other words, you could, if you could get your song on Grey's Anatomy, you know, the TV show, yeah. then, you know, and, and yeah. you would get paid a lot of money to have that song used. And so it was, it was worth it. Yeah, but I think it still is. Right? Uh it's, it's huge competition. You need to have some kind of a direct link to the music supervisor of that television show or the music supervisors in an advertising agency. This is where having a publisher or publishing deal can be really helpful. Um, but there are platforms such as Taxi that you can go to that will assist in trying to get your songs placed or they will supply a pitch list. So for example, um, yeah, like Dancing with the Stars is looking for a version of this song and, you know, whatever the pitch is. And then writers can submit. Even if they don't have publishing deals, they can still submit. Um, so there is some monetization going on that way. There's obviously Spotify, which really pays artists a very small royalty um, uh, compared to mu to radio. And I, I would like to explain maybe why that is. Not that I, I think that artists should be paid more for their work, but let's just, let me just explain to people so that they understand. Because sometimes people don't understand why is it so much more on radio? Sorry, and why am I making- Taxi, what's the website? Mm, I don't know what the website is, but I know the company is called Taxi. It's, it's like very taxi, simple. It's like T-A-X-I, yeah, right? T-A-X-I. So if you just searched Taxi, music publishing or music sync s y n c h syncs is short for synchronization yeah, yeah, I know. Huh? Now, yeah you know you know your audience might not but sure, know but sure, like sure, sure, yeah. synchronizing an advertisement a commercial with your music they sync together that's why that's where the word sync comes from so once again why isn't so much money on spotify so here is why because if you have a song that gets added to radio which is extremely difficult to do. I mean, there are artists with massive songs out there, massive on YouTube, Spotify, downloads, iTunes that are not on radio because it's, that is a saturated area. Um, and also a bit of a dinosaur too, you know, radio is kind of dying now, but um, the reason why is because if a song is played on the radio, it transmits to millions of people at one time. So millions of people can listen to that song that one time. If somebody clicks on a stream on Spotify, that's one person listening to your song. And so that is why the royalty rates are significantly lower. I personally feel that they're still too low. I think artists should be entitled to more. For example, I have a song that uh, an artist that I co-write a lot with who has, I think together we have maybe on our on the songs that he's put out that we've written together, 1.2 million streams, something like that. And I mean, there's maybe about 600 bucks in, in the royalties for that, you know? So much, yeah. 
not a lot. And it's a lot of work to get your song to your, your song to go to a half a million streams to get your song to go to 10,000 streams is, is, is a challenge. It's difficult. You can't do it without some kind of investment in promoting yourself, getting yourself on playlists. So it isn't when you consider what an artist has to do to create that kind of momentum following engagement, it really doesn't offset the cost for the artist to do that. Um, perhaps eventually it will, if you keep working at it and your momentum becomes greater than the cost that you're spending on getting that music out there, then maybe you can tip the scales in your favor. But a lot of artists just really never get that far down the road. Either they run out of resources to continue to make that art, which is why I think that Spotify really needs to step up and be supporting artists a little bit more. If they really care about music and they really care about artists being able to make that music, then, you know, it's, it's not like there isn't a ton of money to go around. That company is making so much money. Their employers are, are much more highly paid than the artists that they claim to support. So, you know, I think there's something wrong here. Right. But, um, yeah, you could, you could kind of get lucky if you continue to persevere, but a lot of artists just do run out of resources or they get frustrated or, or, you know, it's just, it takes a long time for an artist to, to really genuinely develop. It really takes like 10, 15 years. For example, I work with a lot of clients who start working very seriously at like 12, 13, where they're recording and um, writing songs and doing all of that kind of thing. But it might not be until they're 22, 21, 22, 24, where they really start to, you know, like look at Lizzo. She's a great example. She's what, in her thirties and she's been working her butt off for like 20 years, you know, like this is how long it takes. It takes yeah, a long and And she's, there's a girl who's just like, very, very young, incredibly talented, but I work with kids who are equally as talented as Billie Eilish. No word of a lie. I'm not really just saying that. I really do. But the difference is, is that sometimes you just happen to, like she does have an older brother, Phineas, who writes all of her songs with her, who, you know, also, yeah. produces everything. So it's like, she doesn't have that drain of a resource where it's like, I don't produce my own stuff. I have to hire a producer for $1,200. Um, you know, there's a lot of scams out there with production and artist development companies, something we could talk about at some point, but, um, she was lucky to have this team, you know, to, or to have that all fall into place for her. Um, and I love her music, love her songs, love her artistry. I also love the fact that she really can sing well, but that she chooses to sort of take a different path with her voice. And I think it's cool. I'm looking forward to her evolution. I'll put it that way. Let's talk about your clients now, the upcoming artists. Obviously, uh, they should be asking you because you have an experience uh, how to promote themselves, how to start, what to do. Well, here I am. I can sing. I have a song. What to do next? That's a really difficult juncture for an artist because it's already hard enough to maybe write a really great song, get a really great vocal to that song, and you know have some great production also. Yeah. You have to, yeah, there's so many hoops you have to jump through just to get to that point. But then it's like, when you accomplish all of that, now what do I do? So this is where I'm so busy just trying to mold vocalists, mold songwriters that like all of my time goes to that. So I don't actively promote artists. So they have to take that music and then be able to run with it. And some strategies might include 
working with a publicist or a social media manager. Do you, you really don't people? know. Do you recommend people to hire? Um, I don't have anybody that I could recommend specifically, but I could definitely find out and, and get you some names if you wanted to drop that in the comments. Um, but, but just in general, and there, there are people that do this all over the place, but yes, definitely make sure to vet these people to make sure that they are legit because there are a lot of scammy and you know, there's a lot of people making promises that their talent can't cash, you know, and writing checks, their talent can't cash. Right. So a lot of people making promises that they can do this or that for you. And maybe they really can't. So, you know, you might end up giving this social media promoter $500 a month and then you really get no result. You know, they may ultimately be building building a very vapid audience for you. In other words, you may have a lot of followers, but you have very low engagement because you genuinely don't have people who are interested in what you're doing. And to me, that's just as bad as having no following, <laughs> you know, is having a really empty, unengaged following. It's always very obvious to us in the industry when someone says, oh, I've got all this following and you know, you go and you click on their video and, and it's like they have 12 comments and you know, 30,000 views. Well, obviously we know that those aren't, that's not genuine engagement and it doesn't help you. It really doesn't help your career. It doesn't help you to see what are my fans reacting to? What do they love? What do they not like so much? What they what do they want me to do next, right? That that's the way that you really grow yourself as an audience and that you grow with your audience. If you don't have the that kind of genuine engagement, how are you going to know what should I be doing next in my career? What next step should I take, yeah. right? Coming coming back to the, what should we do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, social media manager, that's one thing. Um playlists on Spotify are proving to be, you know, where it's at right now. Maybe looking for new platforms that are coming out. So um, I believe that tick, TikTok used to be Musical.ly and then it, it changed. Um, so when it changed over, a lot of artists rushed to that platform. You know, platforms like YouTube, I personally wouldn't spend a lot of money or I wouldn't recommend for somebody to spend a lot of money trying to target an audience on YouTube just simply because there's not really a huge engagement or following for artists on YouTube anymore. It's not like it was four years ago. It's kind of dried up a <laughs> little bit of tumbleweeds. I mean, I see, I follow different types of interest experts. Like I'm, I'm really into plants. I'm into painting or, you know, decorating DIY. And those followers have m like millions more followers than like some of the musicians who are on radio or very well known. Right. So YouTube, I don't really think is, I think you have to have your music on every platform, but YouTube isn't one that I would necessarily recommend that anyone focus on. With the endorsement deals or something like that with a, some brand or maybe with some. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of ambassador d type deals that are going on or ambassador relationships. And I think that that is maybe worth exploring, but you'd have to make sure that you just approach it makes... the company yourself or how do you find these people? Um, you could approach the company yourself. I get a lot of people that approach me and approach my artists directly. Um, so that that is possible. I mean, anything you can do to stay engaged, like the, the Sorry, one artist the that I'm, I'm approach you and uh, looking for new talents. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they'll approach you and say we would love you to be an ambassador for our which means, clothing which means line. You also have like a financial benefit out of it, right? At least a percentage. You could. Yeah, you could, um, where if you have a code and you give that code to somebody to, um, the code, uh, you know, if you make, code? 
like so then you might say all right here i'm wearing this today you can go here and get it if you use this code like roberta123 um and you put that in you're going to get a 20 oh, percent discount the company might give you a kickback of like a percent or something, right? But I mean, that's one way to go about it. People need to understand that social media is very time consuming. So it's going to be, it's going to take up the biggest percentage of time um, than anything that you're going to do with your music, which is crazy. Like I have, um, I have artists who are, you know, spending three, four hours a day, just social media, just engagement, just you know, posting, making this little video, talking to that person, you know, it's just, it's constant. It's like a, you have to really look at it like a business. And if you already have another job, it's really hard for somebody to break through. How do you choose where to put your artists? To some website, to a magazine, or what do you do usually? How do you decide? Well, that's where, that's where if you have invested a lot of money into your project or your EP or your in single, or you have a, right? okay. yeah. Like if you have invested a lot of money in that, then you might want to follow that up with somebody who is in pu a publicist. Publicists are very expensive, so you but front, right? a, you do, but like, or you might pay them monthly as a subscription, you know, where that you would pay them a service fee every month. Um, publicists that are good at their job are very much worth the cost. Um, uh, but again, again, you, you know, there's these publishers, right? So you can recommend. Um, yeah, I could, I could provide some examples of that, um, of like a good publicist. I like mean, but you know, you're the, like local in Canada or that's different. No, they would, they would do worldwide work. Okay. Um, or if they didn't know, they would have a way to direct you. It, I don't think that it takes too many too much investigation to find these credible sources of people. I think everybody has, you know, some kind of a direct line to somebody in the industry who can like, even someone like me, where it's like, if I don't know, I might be able to point you in the right direction of an individual who is going to be able to give you that right name or that perfect person for you. Um, and it, it shouldn't take that much investigation to find somebody good, you know, like, um, somebody that comes personally recommended, not somebody that solicits you on Instagram messaging or anything like that. Somebody who is like, you know, that you've investigated that you have tried to find. So I think it's possible to find those, those people on your own, but you should be prepared for a big price tag. <laughs> but here's so, the problem. Right? What I mentioned earlier, like 10,000, 12,000, yeah, yeah. something like that. Be, can be like $5,000 to promote one single for three months or two months, you know, it might be something like that. Um, but some people have this like, okay, I got to get on the radio. It's like, maybe that shouldn't be the goal for your project, you know? So I think before you jump in spending any money on anything, you have to really get clear about like what your creative goals are. And because radio should not be the goal for 99% of artists. <laughs> it's not the goal. You know, there should be other things that you should be doing, trying to uh, build your following, build your, your career. The problem that I see most often are people putting a lot of money, time, resources into songs and recordings that aren't great. You know, like the songs aren't great. The songs aren't exceptional or the songs could have been better had they been tweaked or you know finessed and this is the problem because that's your product so you have to make sure that your product is the absolute best it can be it's bulletproof it's airtight 
and then you put your resources behind it. You have to get clear about what your creative goals are and you have to make sure that the product that you create that you want to promote has the best possible vocal on it, that it's the, the song is written well, you know, it's a well-written song, that it can be received by a listener, you know, that they can easily digest it, that, yeah, there's a certain component. It's got, it's got to sound great. It's got to be a good mix, it, you know, and it, I'm not saying that it needs to be elaborate, but it needs to be quality, you know, like there needs to be a certain level of quality. And, and that, that is something that I often see artists very reticent to look for that kind of feedback. You know, it's, I know it's hard to get critique and feedback on your music. I get it. But at the same time, wouldn't you rather know what you could do better in, in that recording at, before you launch it, before you put $10,000 behind it? Like, to me, that just makes sense. It doesn't, it does you no good to avoid feedback on, on your music. You know, it, it really doesn't. So that'd be, I would hugely recommend for people to find experts, find a team that can help you develop as an artist, a team being, um, maybe a videographer you work with that's reasonably priced who can do and help you edit reasonable little simple videos, a good producer, a good co-writing team, um, maybe a good vocal coach, somebody that does what I do, who what will about, go into sorry, the studio. What about label? Like, label, is it now the goal for the artist to be signed these days? No. I don't think so, right? I don't think so. And, and the reason why is, again, because look at how music is being monetized right now. Um, the labels make money on big artists who do really well, who are guaranteed success. Who are already big. But before approaching. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But their ability to develop up and coming artists is not what it used to be. They can't afford to take risks that are, you know, um, they can't afford to take big risks on artists these days because the revenue just isn't there to justify that. It isn't there to justify the loss, right? So when, when labels stopped making money um, in, in, you know, through record sales or physical album sales, this is where a lot of artists, um, you know, they lost their, their development deals or they lost their record deals because the labels just can't afford to take those kinds of chances. They really can only bet on the horse they know is going to win. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I don't know if there's like a ton of money in like ambassadorships, unless you have a really huge following, but it is possible to, to build that really big following, but it's gotta be an engaged legitimate following. And then that can be monetized, you know, into something that's, that's real like you know spotify it is possible you just need millions and millions and millions of downloads to make that really worth it you know um so where is the money um money in the industry would also be in uh coaching and development so like what i'm doing which is why there are a lot of like scammy things happening right now because people know that they can make money in that sense right maybe not as an artist but if you're an artist you're not going to be pursuing a, a coaching career you're not going to look to coach others yeah, you want to like get your own like to the services it's different it's yeah different. it's more services but as an artist like you really have to be prepared to be pretty poor <laughs> from an artist's standpoint and you have i think that if you can do as much of the work yourself so if you can learn um how to produce your own stuff and maybe bring in a producer just to edit and just to, 
you know, polish up the track, polish up what you've done, edit your vocal and mix it. Um, but you do most of the work. That's one way to like save money. I think artists should be looking, how do I save money less than how do I make money? Because when you're making money in the industry right now, you've already figured a lot of things out. So anyone who's making money in the industry right now, they've already, you know, they've done like what you're doing in your podcast. I got to learn 10 different softwares and how to do this, how to do that. They've already done all of that. Anyone making money has done that. So this is a huge learning curve. There's a huge amount of time where you're not making any kind of money or investment back. Um, and, and that's just the way it is. You have to really be willing to go down this rabbit hole as an artist because you love to do what you do or you really enjoy music production, creating your art, making a video. You should learn video editing software. Um, all of the, anything that you can do on your own as an artist that you don't have to find somebody else to do it for you. Uh, I think that's a huge benefit to an artist these days. It, um, yeah. it does, right? So it takes a ton of time. Um, and this is why maybe having like a little team is a good idea. Um, I'm, I have a songwriting pod. I call them my little pod because one is a producer, another girl's an artist and I'm a writer and I'm, I'm not the artist on the song. Sometimes I am, but like, we're not an artist, we're a writing team. So we, we write songs and write music to pitch. Right. But we all have our little expertise, our little job that we do something we bring to the table. So that could be, you know, something, anybody that I've seen sort of gain any kind of momentum or success has done that through building a really good supportive team of people. Okay, Roberta, thank you very much for joining us today. Very interesting information, I'm sure, for our audience and for me personally. So we'll be definitely in touch. Okay, well, thanks, yeah. Alexei. Thank you, bye. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. 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 <laughs>